Good morning, everybody. It's good to be with you today as we begin this new worship series simply called Asking for a Friend, because the reality is we've all got questions, right? All of us have questions in life, sometimes in faith, sometimes about family, sometimes about community or society. We've all got questions. And the reality is that curiosity is a good thing. You know, most doctors and certainly educators all say that curiosity is a helpful thing when we ask questions. Psychologists and sociologists indicate that when we have curiosity, it means we have an interest. It means we have a desire to know more. And that's all a good thing, right? So when we ask these questions, whether they're uh, questions about life or faith, we're saying to those uh, from whom we're asking, I, I need to know more. I want to know more. I desire to understand this better, right? And so a part of asking questions with regard to faith, we need to reflect on that and understand that that's a good thing. We don't want to look down upon that. We don't want to suggest that that means I have little faith or I have no faith, but rather we want to suggest what it means is I want to know more. I want to grow. I want to stretch. I want to better understand, right? What we also realize is sometimes we have questions that we're uh, not 100% sure about. And so that's why we wanted to offer this worship series simply called Asking for a Friend because it's easier to ask for a friend, right? It's easier to say uh, when I ask a question, oh, just asking for a friend, right? And so we wanted to offer this to acknowledge that this is a safe place to ask questions, that this is a safe place to ponder and muse about faith itself. But most importantly, we want to just say we recognize that these questions mean we want to know more, and we want to better understand what it is God is calling us to. What I also want to say thanks to you about is that you helped us to develop the questions. You may recall back in January, early at the beginning of the year, we sent out some surveys, and so you helped generate these questions. So over the next three weeks, the questions that we will be bringing to you are the questions that you helped us to understand and that you wanted to know more about. And so today the question is, why does God let bad things happen? It's probably the most fundamental basic question that we and people of faith have, right? Because we wonder why do bad things happen and why is it that God seems to let this happen? And so let's talk about that a little bit. I'm going to start with some assumptions that I think underlie not only the question but sort of our faith. And those assumptions uh, we've all either grown up with or uh, maybe one or the other of these, but my hunch is we've, we've all sort of grown up with these assumptions, the first one is simply this, that faithfulness brings positive outcome. And all I mean by that is if I read my Bible, if I pray to God, if I come to church, if I am faithful in how I live out the faith itself, then things are going to work out. Things are going to be fine. Things are going to be okay. And if we read the Hebrew Scriptures, we often see that. Early on in the Hebrew theology, it was believed that if you were faithful, things would go well for you. You would prosper and all would be well. And so we have this underlying assumption that when I'm faithful, everything's going to turn out all right. The second assumption is a little bit like it, but it's a little more directly related to God, and that is this, that um, everything falls into God's plans. Everything. Everything falls into God's plans. These are two basic assumptions that we operate out of, and I want to respond to them first and then kind of get into the meat of the message just a little bit. So to the first assumption I would say this, the first assumption being when I'm faithful, all things will turn out well. The, the response to that is simply, we live in a broken world. 
and bad stuff sometimes happens. And therefore, even though I may read my Bible daily and I may pray to God on a consistent basis and I may come to worship on a regular basis, sometimes, because we live in a broken world, everything's not going to work out. We will face trials and tribulations. We will have difficult circumstances, and life will not always go as we had hoped or dreamed because we live in a broken world. Now, David, the king, uh, wrote many of the Psalms, and he knew this. He understood this. He would write many of the Psalms about this, the most famous of which we all know, Psalm 23. And right smack dab in the middle of Psalm 23, David highlights this reality when he says, even though I walk through the darkest valleys, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Even though, right? Even though I just lost my loved one. Even though my marriage is on the rocks. Even though I am facing addiction. Even though I have just lost my job. Even though, David would say to us, even when I walk through the deepest, darkest valleys, I'm going to fear no evil because, God, I know you are with me. He's acknowledging a broken world. He's acknowledging that God is with him. And so I believe strongly that that's a part of God's response to us when we're faithful and things still don't go our way. The second response is to the second assumption. Everything falls within God's plan. My response to that simply is everything is not in God's plan. Now, I believe God has a plan. I believe God has a desired outcome for us. I believe God desires the very best for us. And I believe the powerful words in Jeremiah 29, 11, when he is speaking to the Israelites and, and they are cast out and God has literally cast them out, that when Jeremiah says of God, I know the plans I have for you plans for your welfare and your benefit, plans to have a future with a hope. I believe those words. But what I also believe is this, God's desired outcome and God's plan for our future and God's hope for our future is not always what happens in the world. And so, when somebody gets murdered maliciously, I don't, I don't believe that's a part of God's plan. When someone, one, one human tortures another human being, I, I don't believe that's a part of God's plan. When one human perpetrates violence against another human, whether emotionally or physically or sexually, I do not believe that's a part of God's plan. I do not believe God intended that. I do not God believe God wanted that. I do not believe God uh, planned for that to happen. But it still happens, doesn't it? We still know there are atrocities in the world. We still know there's deep suffering in the world. We still recognize that there are horrible things that happen in the world. And I don't believe those are a part of God's plan. I do believe God has a desired outcome and God wishes the very best for us, but we've got to determine how is it that God is with us and for us in the midst of these struggles and when those atrocities happen and how it is we can see God's face and feel God's comfort and understand God's presence in the midst of these difficult circumstances. You see, because there's this thing we refer to uh, in Christianity called free will. And free will started very early on in creation. 
free will says God put things into place and God has a desired order, but we have free will and we will make choices that are not always right, that are not always helpful, that are not always good, and they sometimes cause bad stuff. We need not get any further than the third chapter of Genesis when Adam and Eve are handed the garden and they're told that they can have access to anything and everything, however they want, in whatever form they want. You've got access to it all, God said. But one tree. Have anything else you want, whenever you want, however you want, just stay away from the one tree. And free will said, oh, I want the one tree. I think I know better, and God, I know you have the best of intentions, and I know that you know better than me, and I recognize you've got a desired outcome here, but I'm going to take from that fruit because it looks really good, and in fact, I know it tastes really good. You see, free will started early, and even though the words are not in Scripture themselves, free will, it starts right off from the very beginning, and it helps encapsulate the concept of why we think sometimes God is allowing or letting bad things happen. So I want to talk about some of those things we normally fall right in line with that we assume either God is allowing or God is creating or God is making happen. And I want to suggest to you none of these are of God's will or God's creation, but they really are a part of life and a part of the broken world in which we live and that we've got to better recognize how it is God is with us even though we walk through the deepest, darkest valleys. One of the first things we sort of assume uh, is a, um, uh, a part of the bad things that God is allowing to happen are natural disasters, right? When we consider the tornadoes or the hurricanes or the earthquakes or any of these natural disasters that come, there is a reason that our insurance companies refer to them as acts of God, right? There's a reason that they're called that because God is in all of nature and God is in all of creation. And therefore, if God is in all of these things, God must therefore be in the hurricane and the tornado and the earthquake and all of these other natural disasters. And if God is indeed in them, why is God allowing all of the chaos and all of the death and all of the despair and all of the disaster? I don't have a simple answer to that question, but what I do believe is this, God is in the nature, and God understands and recognizes the bigger picture, and God realizes that all of creation, broken as it is, every once in a while needs a new start or a restart, right? Just like we unplug something and plug it back in or we reboot our computer to get a restart, every once in a while we need a reboot with regard to creation, and unfortunately... Sometimes that takes the shape of a hurricane or a tornado or an earthquake, and there are consequences, and there are deaths, and there is disaster. And what we've got to begin to realize is that's not God's punishment. That's not God's desire to put a thumb on some group of people and say, boy, you really screwed up, so I'm going to send you a nightmare. I don't believe that. But I do believe God is in it, 
God is a part of it, and God recognizes the, the greater, bigger picture of how this will help recreate or restart or reboot a particular part of the world. And unfortunately, there are consequences. And this happens throughout all of creation, right? Not just in a natural disaster, but even in other things. The biblical witness describes it in a couple of different ways, but Jesus would put it this way. In John's gospel in the 12th chapter, he talked about a a wheat seed, and he said in the 12th chapter, he just said, very truly I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the earth and dies, it remains just a single seed. But if it's planted and it dies to self, then it becomes a fruitful seed, right? And when we die to self, and sometimes when the creation dies in and where it is and creates that, there can sometimes be something bigger, something better. This is humanly created, but when we see farmers or, or, or landowners who, who create a controlled burn of the grass or the fields, what happens afterwards? It becomes stronger. It grows back greener. It creates greater flourishing. Every once in a while, creation must need a reset, I guess. And these natural disasters seem to be a part of that, but it is not God's punishment. It is rather a way to see that the greater creation needs to be recreated and renewed in some different kind of way. I don't pretend to understand. All I realize and believe is it's not God's punishment. It's God being with us in and through something difficult. One of the other things that we tend to blame on God and believe it's God allowing to happen or create is when horrible atrocities happen, whether it's a murder or, or violence against somebody or torture or war, and we all sort of go, well, it must be God's will or it must be God's way or it must be what God intended. Or, and man, if you're there, I get it. I can't bring myself to that. I don't believe that that's the way God operates. What I do believe is that in the midst of our brokenness, we humans make some poor choices and make some poor decisions, and sometimes that looks like taking another life or letting one expire. We look, for instance, in the last months of the killing of Tyree Nichols in Memphis, Tennessee, where a group of rogue police officers simply decided that this young man didn't need to live anymore. That wasn't God allowing that. That wasn't God creating that. That wasn't God doing that. That was a bunch of human beings taking life into their own hands and doing something atrocious. God is not a marionette puppeteer who kind of guides our every thought and whim. God has the capacity to do that. But God doesn't desire to be in a relationship with us in such a way. God desires to know us to celebrate with our joys, to weep with us in our sorrows, and to recognize that every once in a while, life will be hard. Had a church member named Gary years ago in a different church, and Gary was a great man. He was deeply faithful in church every Sunday, helped with the children's ministry, read his scriptures daily, prayed with his wife daily, and they were also motorcycle enthusiasts. One day, they went out for a beautiful ride in South Dallas County, and and a drunk driver hit both of them and killed Gary instantly, and Kathy survived. I don't believe that was God's will for Gary. I don't believe God planned that event. I don't believe that was a part of God's desire for Gary. 
It was an atrocity. It was a devastation. It was a horrible set of circumstances. And oh, by the way, a man decided to drink and drive, and he killed somebody. It was a human choice, a human decision that had horrible outcomes for not only one family, but a myriad of friends and family who were impacted by Gary's death. You know, we've been doing this for centuries, millennia, in fact. Not only after uh, the garden, but early past that, we begin to see that humanity made horrible choices. You get to Genesis chapter 6, and we get a section of text that we don't often read, but it reminds us of why the flood was needful. Verses 5 and 6, it says, The Lord saw that the wickedness of humans was great in the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of their hearts was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made humans on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. And one of the reasons we don't like to read that passage is it reminds us of us. And it reminds us that somehow we got off kilter and it reminds us that somehow we need to be brought back on track and that sometimes we do and say things that grieve God's heart. And sometimes there are poor decisions and poor choices, and they create atrocities that we want to sometimes blame with God. And God does not create these things, and God is not allowing these things. God is realizing our sinful nature and our mortal flesh and the brokenness of our heart and the realization that we need God. Illness is a similar circumstance, isn't it? When we hear about cancer or we hear about debilitating diseases or um, um, uh, things from genital birth that, that perpetrate into somebody's life, and, and it has been a common occurrence for us to say, well, that must be God's will for that person. It must be God's plan for that person. I just don't believe that. I believe God is with that person, and I believe God is in their creation, and I believe that God will care for them and provide for them and help them. But I don't believe a cancer diagnosis is God's will, and I don't believe that God is creating that. What I believe is that God is in that deep, dark valley for that person. And sometimes it's because of the brokenness of our world and the kinds of ways in which we live and we have no control over that. And sometimes it is about decisions we have made and how they might have impact on our lives. My mother, for instance, died of lung cancer and she was a lifelong smoker, direct correlation. My father died of colon cancer. He had a horrible diet. He decided not to take care of himself. He died within three months from diagnosis to death. That was about human choice. And it has devastating consequences. And it has impact on the world. And I think to myself, I cannot blame God for these things, but I can recognize God in the midst of these things. And I can accept that God will help that family or that individual and guide them through a deep, dark valley. I love the way the Gospel of John tells us this powerful story. I want to encourage you to go home and read John chapter 9 this afternoon. It's a story of a man born blind, and of course, during the biblical day, it was believed that if somebody were born with an infirmity, it was clearly because either they or their family had sinned. That was a part of the belief. And so the question was, who sinned, this man's parents or himself, to be born blind? And Jesus' response in John chapter 9, verse 3 simply says, neither this man's family nor this man have sinned, 
but rather he was born blind so that God's works might be made known through him. And this is a part of the way God works, is that in and through the illness, in and through the infirmity, in and through these circumstances, God can work wonders. But I don't believe that God's causing the illness or God's allowing the illness. We heard a powerful story from Jackson Blanton last Sunday about his, his need to have a new heart, and, and Jackson realized that it wasn't God who created that dilemma. God created him. God created him as he was, but God didn't create that dilemma, and he chose to believe that God could do something wonderful in and through that. And that's a part of what our faith tells us, is that God is with us and that God can be trusted even when the deep, dark valleys appear. Because there's not a soul in this room who hasn't had a deep, dark valley of some kind in our lives. Sometimes in childhood, sometimes in adolescence, sometimes in our marriage, sometimes in our work, sometimes in our church, sometimes in our community, we've all had a deep, dark valley. And we've all had those circumstances in which we probably said to God or of God at some point, why, God? Why are you allowing this? Why is this happening? Why must I go through this? And those are all genuine questions, and they are actually appropriate questions to ask. Because in the asking, we are saying, God, I want to know you more, and God, I want to understand you better, and God, I want to know that somehow you are here with me in the midst of my deep, dark sorrow. And that's the gift that God brings. The Apostle Paul would speak volumes about this to many of the churches to which he wrote. But most clearly, he seems to identify it most when he writes to the church at Rome, who was the Christians there were suffering greatly. And a part of what Paul writes when he writes to the church at Rome is the first good news in the midst of all of this tragedy and travesty when bad things are happening is, is that God is with us. Hear how he puts it in Romans chapter 8. Who will separate us from, the, from Christ's love? Will we be separated by trouble or distress or harassment or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? He goes on to say, I am convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love found in Christ Jesus our Lord. And a part of that witness claims for us that God is there in the midst of that famine or that sword or that distress or that harassment, that God will be with us and care for us and give us the strength that we need. That's the first good news. The second good news is very much like it, and that is that God can give us hope in the midst of the tragedy, in the midst of the despair. Backing up a few chapters, Paul would write this to the Roman followers. We also have joy with our troubles because we know that these troubles produce patience. Patience produces character, and character produces hope. And this hope will never disappoint us because God has poured out his love to fill our hearts. Friends, I don't really know why all of the circumstances that we sometimes face happen. I know that they're difficult. I know that bad stuff happens. It stinks. It sets us back. It kicks us down. It slaps us in the face. It kind of laughs and mocks at us sometimes, or so it feels. But it's real. I don't believe God is looking down on us and going, boy, I hope they figure that one out. And I likewise don't believe that God has created any of that. But what I do believe 
is God is with us. And God is for us. And God wants to offer hope for us. And peace that passes all understanding. And that God desires an outcome for us in whatever our circumstance that is better, that is more beautiful, and that is more possible if we'll put our trust in that same God, rely on that same God, put our hope and faith in that same God. What an opportunity that will be whenever the next roadblock, setback, or tragedy happens. May we know that there's nothing that can separate us from the love of God, that we need not fear any evil because God is with us, and that we can indeed find through the perseverance, through the patience, and the character building, a hope that will sustain us for the future. Thanks be to God that that is very possible. Will you pray with me? Holy and loving God, thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, for the powerful hope that he brings and for the wonderful ways that he helps sustain us in our lives, for your purposes and in our ministries. God, sometimes we get set back. Sometimes we get kicked down. Sometimes we feel as though life is not even worth living and there is horrible evil that we sometimes face. God, help us to remember and to believe that you are not causing it, you are not allowing it, but rather you are with us through it. May we trust that that's true, and may we rely on that hope. This is our prayer, and we lift it in the name of Jesus the Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.